It is Monday, February 6, 2017 at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, and this is Admissions Live. I am your host, Adam Castro, and on today's live broadcast, we're talking about hospitality and admissions. Want to keep an admission professional up at night? As I have a couple guests here that have lived through this, uh, tell them that all the cool things their competitors are doing to attract students and make campus visits more memorable. Admissions Live is part of the Higher Ed Live Network. Our episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Be part of our live broadcast by sharing your knowledge. Participate in today's discussion by tweeting us using hashtag HigherEdLive. All of our episodes are free and easy to access in the video archives at HigherEdLive.com or take Higher Ed Live with you on the go by subscribing to our podcast. Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a digital-first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. Trusted by thousands of higher ed professionals, M-Stoner webinars are jam-packed with timely, strategic, and actionable knowledge. Check out their library of on-demand content from digital storytelling to myth-busting websites. I'm gonna tweet out a link shortly uh, for more information on that. I wanna welcome everybody. Uh, really excited about today's episode. Uh, I think it's an incredibly important topic. I think it's a timely topic as we move very quickly here into uh, ultra yield season uh, across the country uh, as we lead up to the May 1st uh, deposit day. And yes, it's still May 1st. Um, today, we're going to do a couple things uh, with our guests who I'll, who I'll introduce in a moment. Uh, we're going to define hospitality in higher education. We're going to get specific examples uh, from our guests about their hospitality initiatives and how those have worked on their campuses. And we're going to learn a little bit more about cultivating a professional atmosphere that quote unquote buys in to the importance of hospitality and customer service. Uh, and to help me do that today, I have three amazing guests that were so brave to uh, volunteer to join me today after the Super Bowl uh, in one of the craziest games I've ever seen uh, in my life. And, and they're here and they're uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to get going. Uh, first, we have Andy Bills. He is the senior vice president for enrollment at High Point University in North Carolina. We also have Cindy Childs. She is the Assistant Vice President for Admissions and Financial Aid at Washington College on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. And finally, we have Jeremy Tears, Director of Admissions Services for Tudor Collegiate Strategies. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, when I started asking around about potential guests uh, for this episode, um, I went on the Facebook site and, and talked to some school counselors, talked to college admission people, uh, and both High Point and Washington College uh, were popular suggestions, and, and I, I knew I had to reach out to Andy and Cindy and see if they can come on. Uh, I've been following Jeremy's career now for a couple years, really active in the EM chat community, um, and he's get, gotten glowing reviews from, from some of my colleagues from across the country about the work that he's done on their campuses. Uh, so I'm really excited about hearing what you guys have to say, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. Uh, for everybody out there, please uh, get involved. Uh, if you have a question, uh, if one of our guests makes an intriguing comment that you want follow-up on, uh, just shoot us a tweet at using hashtag HigherEdLive, and I'll try to get that question on the air to the appropriate person for you. All right, so let's jump right into it. Uh, I think the best place to start uh, is to get a little bit of a background about your institutions or your organizations and a little bit more about yourself. So Andy, why don't you kick us off? Great. Thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, I am Senior Vice President for enrollment at High Point, that's uh, all admissions, financial aid, uh, scholarship awarding, retention, all things enrollment. 
So a little bit about High Point. High Point's story is an amazing one. We're a private liberal arts college founded in 1924 with 4,600 undergraduates and 400 graduate students that will grow to over 1,000 graduate students in the next four years. We've been ranked by US News and World Report, the number one college in the Southern region the last five years in a row, and the number one most innovative in the last two years. Now, Adam, just over a decade ago, High Point had only 1,450 undergraduate students, a 95-acre campus, and 100 full-time faculty. Today, we've more than tripled our undergraduate population. We've grown our campus to over 430 acres with more than 300 full-time faculty. High Point's campus is very residential with 95% of our students living on our beautiful campus all four years. We've recently launched our new School of Health Sciences that includes a Master's in Physician Assistant Studies, a Doctor of Physical Therapy, and added a new School of Pharmacy with a Doctor of Pharmacy degree. Our students now come to High Point from all 50 states and over 60 countries around the world. That's incredible. Incredible growth. Congratulations on that. And, and uh, spoiler alert, we're going to learn how hospitality has played a major role in that growth, I'm sure, and we're excited to hear about that. Uh, Cindy, can you introduce yourself? Yes, of course. Thank you for having me, Adam. I'm happy to be here with Andy and Jeremy. Um, as you said, I am the Assistant Vice President of Admissions and Financial Aid at Washington College, um, located on the eastern shore of Maryland in an adorable quaint town called Chestertown, Maryland. Um, we are also a small private liberal arts college. We enroll strictly an undergraduate population of about 1,500 students. Um, we also have a couple wonderful rankings. We were ranked in the U.S. News and World Report Top 100 Liberal Arts Colleges. And we're also proud to be, and it's probably related to hospitality, um, but one of the Princeton Review's happiest places. Um, our freshman class was a major success for us recently. It was one of our most academically talented classes, um, also one of our most diverse classes. And we have students from 31 different states in that class in nine countries. Um, and as an institution, we're really right now focused on access and affordability. We've launched a number of initiatives, which I'll briefly talk about later as it relates to hospitality. Um, but Washington College is a wonderful place to be, and I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Jeremy? What's up, everybody? Um, Adam, thanks again for the opportunity. Uh, I am the Director of Admission Services for Tutor Collegiate Strategies. So what we do at TCS is we help colleges and universities around the country, big, small, every coast you can imagine, uh, with student recruitment and staff development. Uh, so a couple big things that we do. The first big thing that we do is Comflow. So all that fun Comflow that I'm sure most people honestly don't like and takes way too much time in uh, creating good content that will engage and inform students. We take that off your plate. Uh, we've got an amazing team that does an amazing job for our clients, as I said, creating letters and emails specifically throughout the entire year that don't sound or look like what most colleges and universities are sending students and parents. Uh, and it not only informs, which is a big point I want to make, but our Comflow also informs and engages. because I think it's really important to understand when you send something out, what does a student think about that? Do they care about what you're sending them? Is it interesting to them? And we really want to, as we're gonna talk about today, I know Adam, really develop that relationship between an admission staff and a student or family. And then the other big thing that we do uh, is staff professional development. 
So I travel around the country and lead comprehensive workshops where I will take an admissions team, uh, possibly sometimes members of financial aid or the campus visit team, um, and walk them through basically how to do their job better. Um, a lot of sales and communication techniques and strategies and just what they need to do uh, to be a successful recruiter or a successful leader. Great, thank you. And I think that's an important point that you made about the Comflow. And that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on this show is because everybody thinks about hospitality as the, the customer service angle. A student's in front of you, a family's in front of you, they're visiting your campus. But there's this whole other aspect uh, of how we communicate uh, with our students, our families, and our other constituencies uh, that's equally as important, if not more important, in, in a lot of cases. So, so welcome and thank you. So let's get started uh, jumping right in and let's try to define what hospitality means uh, on college campuses. And Cindy, I want to start with you. Okay. And Adam, I don't want to steal your thunder because I know we talk about this a little bit later. Um, for, for us here at Washington College, hospitality really is um, about treating the families and prospects and um, everyone who's visiting your campus, even if they're there for a conference or they're there for an athletic camp or something of the nature, really as your guest and your visitor, um, not necessarily as a customer. Um, for us, it's about making sure that whoever it is and wherever they're coming from and whatever they're coming for are leaving with a really um, well-rounded, um, enriching, satisfying experience. Um, and then for us, hospitality drives everything we do. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but it really is just kind of at the heart of who we are. Um, so it's a way of life for us. But if I had to give some key terms, um, I would, of course, say um, welcoming. Um, I would say customized and personalized. Um, and something that's important as we talk about the life cycle of recruitment and what Jeremy was talking about um, also is that it's really holistic. Great, thank you. You can steal my thunder all day. That's okay. what this is, this, this is for. No worries. Okay. Andy, anything to add to that? Uh, sure, Adam. Uh, of course, hospitality means inviting, warm, friendly, courteous, and generous. But at High Point, we've gone one step further to make our customers and, and guests feel like part of the family. And yes, I did use the word customer, and I know in higher education that's sort of been a taboo way to look at your um, at your students and families, but we feel the opposite. We feel like that uh, certainly those those students and parents that are looking to enroll at High Point are going to become part of the family, and so we definitely we definitely have a focus here on on their experience, on their education, and making sure that they receive great value for. Uh, their investment here at High Point. That's a great point. And thank you for talking about the, the customer angle because I, I, I mean, that's one of my pet peeves uh, when people get upset uh, when we refer to you know our students' perspective, current, otherwise, as our customers. Uh, but I think as I think we'll get into when we talk about uh, a hospitable mindset. I think thinking of people as customers and as guests puts you in a certain frame of mind. Uh, that that better suit is better suited for that type of service that that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So so thank you for bringing that up, Jeremy. I want to swing over to you because you know you've done trainings all over the country. You've met with uh, admissions office and recruiters uh, on this topic. So what is the kind of the general sense when when hospitality is broached as an important part of the recruitment strategy on a college campus? What is usually the uh, response? Uh, from you know the people that are uh, at the admission counselor and recruiter levels. Sure, uh, great question, Adam. 
I think it's getting better in a lot of cases. Um, I know Andy touched on it before. I think it's something where a lot of campuses are understanding that the commitment to hospitality, um, Cindy talked about a holistic approach, the importance of both those things in student recruitment I think is huge. And I think while we're not there yet, at least from what I've seen, a lot more schools are buying in a lot more than in the past. Um, I would say the biggest frustration that I hear from admissions counselors and leaders, Adam, when I'm on a campus uh, talking with them one-on-one, -on -one, is how do you provide that same outstanding customer service and hospitality across the board? Uh, you, you, we talk all the time about personalization, for example. You've got a huge pool of names if you're an admissions counselor. How do I provide person number one and person number 1007 the exact same customer service where that person feels like this is a school that cares about me. This is somebody who's trying to learn what I'm looking for. You know, if we're talking about student recruitment. Um, so just always trying to figure out from the student recruitment and the admission side, how to create a memorable experience um, across the board with a large pool. And, and I would add that I think the biggest challenge, Adam, that I see for a lot of admissions teams when I go and I, I listen to people vent, which a lot of people do uh, to me, um, as a third party who, who obviously is familiar with the industry is just getting everybody from the front desk staff to the tour guides, the admissions counselors, you know, people in Andy and Cindy's position, um, all on the same page in terms of understanding what everybody's role is and how if everybody doesn't collaborate together, it's harder to get that really hospitable experience or that really good customer service experience across the board. I think that's a really interesting point, and it made me think of you know this idea of qualification in admissions. I think we all, to a certain extent, have to qualify our pool, rank them, however you want to do it, because you can't simply be everything to everybody, uh, and sometimes you have to really focus in on a specific population uh, that you're trying to move. And, and Jeremy, I think your point is, well, what if someone is not part of that, you know, A1 group that you're going after? And, and are you able or willing to offer the same service and be hospitable to that student, knowing that, whether knowing or not knowing, how that's going to affect their process and, and whether or not they may yield to your institution? So I think that's a really interesting point. I think most people get this, right? I think most people understand that it's important to be nice, it's important to be attentive, it's important to be welcoming. Uh, especially as it relates to uh, a competitive industry like college admissions. But, you know, I've seen it time and time again, we, people just don't get the buy-in. You know, there's campuses all over the country that this is not a point of emphasis, and there's a lot of pushback, and there's a lot of venting, as, as Jeremy alluded to. So I want to talk to Andy and Sydney again. We'll start with Andy, and just talk a little bit about how you've been able to kind of enrich this culture on your campus to, to help move your kind of mission forward. Sure. Thanks, Adam. There, there are so many numbers in admissions that we all track, we all look at every day and share with our teams that I like to always read notes and emails and letters from our parents and students to remind our team that there are people behind these numbers. They're real lives that are being affected. And our job is to find you know students who are a great fit for High Point so that we can plant seeds of greatness in them. But the first thing I did 12 years ago when I came to High Point was institute a total focus on the customer and the customer experience. 
I, and I did that because I knew that we could outcompete, you know, our competitors with, with that experience. I couldn't outcompete them in other areas, but I knew I could outcompete them uh, in the customer's uh, experience area. So, um, you know, using the word customer and changing that mindset, you know, that single word changes the way one thinks and acts about their guests, as Cindy said, and their, their future students. The keys were to, for us was to create a vision uh, on how we wanted to deliver on that promise. And so my vision was to develop and deliver the best campus visit experience in America, focused on the customer. And then not only to get everyone in admissions on board, but to get everyone across campus, from the security guard at the front gate to the president. And it's become part of the culture here at High Point University. I'll get more in depth into some of the examples uh, in a little bit. Great, thank you, that, that's uh, fantastic. All right, Cindy, is there anything you want, you'd like to add to that? Sure, I'd love to chime in. Um, and I really liked what you said about like enrichment versus cultivation, because I think it depends on where your campus is at, and I know we'll get to that in a bit. Um, but right now, for Washington College, it's actually, um, hospitality is really a genuine piece of who we are. Um, it really represents us being in a small town with a small town feel and um, a really family-like feel. I know Andy used that word as well. Um, and we've also been really lucky, like Andy at High Point, to have it be an entire campus effort. Um, the enrollment management team, I think we are really good examples of what hospitality means um, and others across campus, whether it is a security guard or someone in our dining facilities or the president, um, everyone really echoes that in everything they do. Um, so that's made us really lucky because um, it, it, again, it's a way of life for us, but it's a full campus effort. Um, so I wouldn't say that we really have had to fully cultivate the experience because um, it's been part of what we do, but we're always trying to enrich and improve it, um, find little ways to tweak and adjust as you need to as times change. Um, but we are really lucky because we've attracted a great faculty body and staff body and even our students, um, which you see when you're on tour, um, who really value those kind of things. So for us, again, um, it, it's just a full campus effort that is already here and we just keep working on. That's so interesting, and I think both you and Andy brought up this uh, the term value mm -hmm. as it relates to uh, hospitality. I think that could be used several different ways, and I, and I, I want to maybe in a, in a little bit get a little bit deeper on this, but this idea that there is an intrinsic value um, both to the student, both to the enrollment manager, uh, both to in terms of uh, you know the staff and their pride in the institution of being a hospitable campus community. Uh, and I think once you have that buy-in and once you have some momentum, if they can see that, you know, XYZ equals the largest freshman class in school history, uh, which Washington College seems to be on the, on the if not there, on the, on the path to, then I think, you know, it's much easier to get buy-in um, from the campus if you're not already there. So I, I think the biggest thing is people want to know that the work that they're putting in, um, that there's an output and they'll be recognized for that. Um, because while in a perfect world, everybody's just nice and energetic and, and you know, uh, frontward facing and, and student friendly. Uh, some of that sometimes that needs to be cultivated on a campus community, whether it's an individual or an office. Uh, and I think getting that buy-in is much easier when your campus uh, can tie results to it. Uh, I did want to mention, you know, uh, a TED talk that I recently um, uh, watched and it's by Jan Gunnarsson. Uh, he's from Sweden and he focuses in on the topic of hostmanship. I'm going to tweet it out in, in a minute here, 
uh, I really think it's worth about eight minutes of your time. And he talks about this idea, and we alluded to it earlier, that if you see visitors to your business, to your campus, to your home as guests, then it automatically changes the way you interact with them. Uh, it makes you know, it makes it much less transactional and makes it more of an intimate experience where you have to be consciously a host for that person. And that means, you know, you have to be open, you have to be curious, you have to be respectful. And I think we all have to make that choice when we're about to have an interaction, whether it's on the phone, whether it's through email, whether it's in person with a, with a person to, to be that host and, and to really um, put ourselves and our institutions uh, in the best light possible. And I just think it's a it's a very nice parallel document from what we're talking about today. And I'll get that tweeted out on the Higher Ed Live Twitter handle shortly here. Uh, Jeremy, I wanna go back to you uh, because I wanna talk about what do you think is the biggest difference between an office that has commitment to hospitality and one that does not? Great question again. Um, you know, you guys have used some great terms. Adam, you just talked about being a host and, and not wanting to come across as transactional during student recruitment when you're working with a student and a family. And, and that's something that I 100% agree. You know, Andy, obviously, and Cindy mentioned things earlier as well. It's If you're trying to create that unbelievable customer experience, then I think you have to understand in this day and age, there are so many options out there for students and their families that remember it's about them and not why you think necessarily they'd be crazy not to want to come to your school, which may be a great fit for them, but may not be, even if they're the kind of student that you're looking for. And I think what I see specifically when I work with admissions teams, Adams, specifically the admissions counselors is there's a hard understanding for a lot of counselors to be less transactional, like you mentioned, and more, how am I conversational? How do I create and cultivate that relationship that then leads, as I said earlier, person one and person thousand and one to feel like they're getting the same customer experience no matter where they rank in your, you know, on your list or where they're at in the funnel. Um, so the schools that I see doing it best, again, they have a firm understanding of that and it's everybody across the board um, that you mentioned, that Andy mentioned, that, that you know, Cindy mentioned earlier across campus from your professors to your faculty to the janitor to all of that matters. And I think you guys have all hit on some, some big points. It's really about creating that relationship with the student and being what I call a go-to person. Um, I think there's too many salespeople if we're using that term, which I know sometimes is a nasty term in, in college admissions, sales. Um, but I think there's still way too many people who push facts about their university to a student or a family trying to be helpful, but yet they don't come across as helpful. They come across, as you said, Adam, as transactional. Um, I want you, or what I recommend to schools is be more of a resource. How can you help that student get through what I think we would all agree is a pretty you know, trying process. It's the first big thing a lot of students have had to do in their life is figure out now where they're going to go to college. And it's stressful and it's scary. Uh, fear is, is very real. I talk about it a lot. How can you and your admission staff and your campus tour guides, everybody on your campus, help get a student to understand, you know what, it doesn't have to be this stressful. Our school's gonna do a good job of helping alleviate a lot of those fears or alleviate a lot of those stresses. Um, and the other thing I would add quickly, Adam, is if you're 
if you're doing it right or you're doing it, I think, the best way or the most effective way, as a leader, if you're a leader and in that leadership position, you've got to have constant staff training, whether it's within your office, whether it's bringing third-party vendors on campus. I think both of those are really valuable, and it just can't be for some of your team, which is really hard because obviously everybody has budgets. I get that. But there are so many um, very minimal or in some cases free opportunities to interact with people within the industry that, you know, those types of relationships need to be created and cultivated because I think ultimately in the end, everybody wins when you do that. Jeremy, I think that's a tremendous point. And I, and I deal with this personally, uh, having a small staff uh, for the number of applications we get in a given year and getting to points in the year where we're just, you know, we're redlining it constantly. And it's, it's, it's weekends, it's evenings, it's we're just trying to get it done. We're juggling events at the same time. We're juggling tours. Um, and it's very easy to put off training. It's very easy to say no uh, to a conference or a meeting uh, that may not necessarily be exactly what you need at that given moment, uh, but it's going to pay long-term dividends. So I think that's a tremendous point that people need to take away from this episode. Uh, it's to not lose focus and, and making sure that regardless of how crazy it is, you have to invest uh, in your people if you want to move things like this forward. I think that not, not just for hospitality, but for, for everything that we do. Um, I think that's a great segue into, I really want to get to the meat of this, right? I want to uh, get some takeaways and, and learn a bit, a little bit of what's happening at High Point in, in Washington College. Um, when I was doing some research, I, I learned this and I, I thought this was fascinating and hopefully I learned something even cooler today. Uh, but there's a school out there, which will go nameless, that has freshly baked cookies in an oven going constantly during office hours uh, with a conscious, because it's a conscious effort for their guests to connect the idea of this smell of freshly baked cookies in the office of admission to this particular university. And I just thought that was so next level <laughs> in terms of just, you know, the psychology of, of college admissions. And, and uh, I think it's just a great segue to turn it over again uh, to both Cindy and Andy. So you guys can just go over some, maybe some of the specific things uh, that you're doing on your campus that you're proud of, that you think may be unique uh, in this space. And I, I wanna start with you, Cindy. Okay, and I don't have cookies. I can't compete with that today, but they do sound good. It's lunchtime. Um, I'll talk about a few specifics that we do on campus first, and then I'll switch over um, and talk a little bit about some other things we do. Um, but we've really strived to make our entire campus experience, um, the entire thing, customized and personalized. So um, actually, we provide um, little things like when you arrive to our campus to our visitor center, you have a personalized parking spot waiting for you. Um, and then when you walk into our gorgeous visitor center, your name's on a screen and you're being greeted by wonderful smiling faces. And um, of course, we do have some coffee and treats there. They're not fresh baked cookie cookies, um, but we really just want to be welcoming. And then the experience you get during the day is just as personalized. If we know a student's come with a specific interest, we've already worked with a faculty member um, and our students to get them to sit in a class or meet with a faculty member or talk with a coach um, or whatever it is. Um, so they're given a personalized folder with their agenda um, and a customized schedule. So pretty much everything we do that day is personalized. And then when they go out on tour and they meet with some of our current students, we give them their business cards. Um, the students do so they can engage afterwards if they have other questions. Maybe they don't want to ask with their parents around or maybe they go home and they remember something. Um, but everyone they engage with that day um, is just as hospitable or um, welcoming and also knowledgeable. And then of course, they also get one-on-one -on -one time with the admissions officers um, and admissions counselors in the office to really get to know us as well. 
Um, we've also made some enhancements. We have an overnight program. Gus is our mascot, so we call it a Gus Getaway. Um, and I know a lot of schools do overnight programs, but we've done some small things to just make it feel more special. Um, so for example, we do um, provide transportation to and from the airport. Um, being located in a more remote location on the Eastern Shore, that's really important. And I think sometimes those kind of details are lost. We also provide for when students um, are spending the night bedding in a bag, so they don't have to travel with it. Um, some fresh, nice sheets, some um, more comfy to spend the night, and we make sure our campus has activities and things to do in the evenings, um, so the entire experience is really well um, taken care of. Um, also, yield events. I think, I I'm sure Andy will get to this, but a lot of schools really focus on casting a really big net when it comes to yield events. Um, and don't get me wrong, we do some big events which are really exciting and fun, but we've also really placed an emphasis on small um, yield events that are more personalized around a specific major or interest. Um, an example of that is our Natural Science and Mathematic Day. It's a wonderful day where any student who's interested in um, environmental science or physics can come. And that day we do things like live lab demos. Um, they get to engage with the actual faculty and current students, and we take them out on our research vessel, um, our Kalanactes boat. So really just making sure it's really personal um, and a small touch. And I think that's really important. We've all been talking about it, but that's where the full campus buy-in comes in because we can't do this alone. So if our faculty aren't, weren't willing to give up their Saturday and the students weren't willing to open up the classroom and share their seats, it would make it very hard for us to do this. Um, but we're really lucky and everyone does that. And then I'll switch gears and briefly touch on communications because I know that's important. And I know it'll come up later, so I won't um, go too depth and in-depth with it. Um, but we also really make it a point to communicate with our students um, all the way from prospect stage to um, admitted and once they're here um, in a personalized way. So we're doing everything that I think everyone's doing with um, more personalized emails and CRMs. Um, but we spend a lot of time connecting more personally. Um, we've made it a point not to lose that touch of handwritten notes or personal phone calls. Um, for example, I'm going to talk about it later with assessment, but we'll make personal calls to follow up on events instead of just um, sending a survey with a yes or no and this kind of button. Um, and in addition, it's not just about our students and um, the families, but um, something that really I think sets Washington College apart is we really like to go out of our way to treat everyone who's visiting special. Um, I know that we just recently hosted PCACAC, which hopefully many of you who are listening or watching attended. Um, and we had so many people call us and email us and just thank us for the way we treated them. Um, we had special customized goodies and gifts, and we made sure to treat them to an Eastern Shore lunch and just give them that kind of hospitality for us. Um, so if I had to sum it up in a nutshell, I would just say we really make it, um, we focus on the small touches and making it personalized. And um, as cheesy as this sounds, we try not to say no in the capacity we have. Um, we do have a smaller staff, but everyone's kind of willing to roll up their sleeves and do what it takes to help. Um, I was talking to someone and prepping for this, and she told me, you know, were you here for that open house where a family's car um, broke down and a staff member who wasn't even part of the admissions team or wasn't even here for the open house stayed and helped them and called AAA and made sure they had a safe ride home? And it's that kind of thing um, that really just our whole campus kind of embraces our guests and wraps their arms, um, wraps their arms around them. That is very cool. Uh, Andy, that's it's a tough thing to follow. but uh, <laughs> Sorry, Andy. I'm sure you have great things to add. I'm sure. I'm sure. But I... I one of the first things you said, I think, is extremely important, and it's how quickly a campus visit can get derailed, um, pun intended, I guess, uh, you know, if they don't have a parking spot, you know, and having a personalized parking spot ready, waiting for you, uh, you know, is a huge, a huge aspect of, of just setting the tone for the day. 
so I, I really latched on to that. And I thought that's, that's pretty amazing. Everything that you guys are doing is amazing. So congratulations on that. All right, Andy, wow us. <laughs> Great. And I love the things that Cindy is doing there at Washington. Um, Cindy, if you ever think about moving south, you know, you would fit right into our culture. So <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and really, I love what you said about when someone else outside of admissions does something that's very on brand and in the culture and um, that's outstanding. That's when you know that your vision is penetrating the whole campus and that's really a positive thing when your customers feel that. I want to go back to something Jeremy said and he, he used the word transactional and yes there's so many transactional things that we do in admissions and enrollment and, and on a college campus every day and we as leaders have to get beyond the transactional to the transformational and and really focusing on the customer is transformational and so that's why it has such an impact transactional things aren't going to have the, the impact that transformational things are going to have and you know i always like to tell my team that facts tell but emotions sell and you know it, you need to connect with your guests emotionally in whatever level that that you can um but you know you talked about baking cookies adam and and we do bake cookies here at high point uh, actually i used to work for a fortune 500 company for most of my career before coming to higher education and i had my own little portable otis spunkmeyer oven little convection oven and I carried it with me and um, so I brought that you know here to High Point and sure on on bad weather days you know when someone's come from all over America to tour your campus you know I want them to feel good regardless of the weather so it's just a, a little first impression thing but but you know we've developed and woven into all we do eight core values here in our admissions office with two of those specifically focused on the customer I've already talked about one of them, and that's delivering the best campus visit experience in America. And the, the second one is exceeding customer expectations. Now, those are both high bars, but it's such a thrill for our team and our when our guests consistently feel this. And when you free up the decision-making in your office to allow your employees and your staff and your ambassadors to exceed what your guests expect. And you don't make them come and ask you, can I do this or not? Yes, that's part of our culture. Of course you can exceed their expectations. If you think it's the right thing to do, then you should do it. Um, you know, one little thing, how difficult is it for your visitors to find a place to park on your campus and then find your admissions office? I mean, how tough are you making it for them to come spend money, you know, at your school? And so um, we have reserved parking places right in a prom part of our campus near our building for our visitors. And yes, we put their names in lights. They are electronic. Now they didn't always, they weren't always electronic. When I first came, I had those little real estate signs and I would put them out there, you know, and I had six parking spots and we'd go change the name on the bottom of the sign. But we have 10,000 visitors a year now come. And so that, that technology, you know, didn't work. And so our IT staff actually developed uh, these custom signs for us. And now I have 24 custom signs in parking spots just reserved for admissions. And so it makes it very easy 
for them when they come into our gates. They're greeted by our security because we spend a lot of time praising not only our security, but anybody on campus that really delivers on uh, our vision of um, customer-focused uh, experiences. And so, um, you know, we know that that a high point um, because they come from um, all over the country and 80% of our students are from outside of the state of North Carolina, that they're visiting more than just our school. And so, you know, I've done my homework. I know what the experience is at the other campuses around me, especially my top 10 cross apps. And uh, I know that most of them have a morning and an afternoon uh, tour experience. They have a admissions overview, they put them into groups, and they break them maybe into smaller groups for the tour, but they do an overview and, and then they send them out on tour and they do that a couple times a day. And so we don't do that. We, we, we actually have tours every hour on the hour, 9, 10, 11, 1, 2, and 3. And the biggest tour is seven people. So we have, we may have five or six on every hour, but we always break them into seven guests poor tour guide maximum. And we know they've been on walking tours sometimes in 80, 90 degree, you know, heat or in the winter when it's a little colder. And that's not a great experience for your guests to have to walk across your campus. So we have golf carts. So all of our tours are on golf carts. So that means over the years as our uh, guests uh, have grown, we've had to buy more golf carts. But, um, but the experience is fabulous. It, it not only gives our, you know, our, our students who may be bringing grandma or grandfather who may be paying for their college education, it gives them an opportunity not to have to sit in the admissions office while the tour is going on, but they can participate as well and really uh, see and experience um, your campus and, and what's going on. But, you know, we, we, wanna, we want them to have a fabulous experience and and we think of their experience first. How can we make their experience uh, better? There's so much there to jump on, uh, and I'll try to keep it brief, but I, a couple of things that you said I, I really liked. One was that you do your homework on, the, on your competitors. Uh, and I think, again, a lot of people get caught up in what's going on on their campus that they forget that this is a competitive arena uh, and you have to kind of build out your own niche in terms of where you, where you stack yourself against your competitors. And you can't do that effectively without knowing what they're doing and uh, making moves uh, to that end. Uh, the cookies thing, that is that just happens to be a coincidence. <laughs> so there's more than one office doing the cookie thing. Uh, so they may have stolen it from you. Um, we'll, we'll just say they stole it from you for, for the purposes of this uh, episode. Uh, and then I love the quote, right? Uh, facts tell, but emotions sell. Uh, we're going to have to get that tweeted out so people can see that. So, Andy, thank you for sharing those. I, I think those are wonderful. And, and, and so I know we all feel this, but we live in an, area, an era of assessment. Uh, so I do want to circle back to both of you again and, and just talk a little bit about how you're assessing the impact of these initiatives, knowing that, that in some cases, you know, a parking spot, for instance, while important, it's probably difficult to assess. So what are some things that you guys have in place as administrators in order to do so and share that with your staff? And Cindy, let's go start with you. 
Happy to jump in. And assessment is all of the rage in the hot topic in higher education, so I knew this would come up. Um, we assess both formally and informally. Um, informally, we try and actually check in with visitors as they're on campus on a daily basis. So if we're having an event, I might just stop a family and say, how are you enjoying the day? And um, I might hear, it's wonderful, except for I wish I got to meet with this person or see that. And um, you're able to react immediately in the moment and say, you know what, let me get that um, let me make that happen for you. And we pick up the phone, I call that faculty member, that coach, and they come over and connect with them. So we really try and make sure we're doing some informal check-ins throughout the day. Um, that way we don't wait till they've left to really accommodate what they were looking for. Um, but then of course, we do a lot of formal assessment um, that's usually post-event, um, post whatever that is, whether it's a campus visit or one of our Gus getaways or a yield event. Um, we do that through um, online surveys and we also have um, they're a little bit more um, engaging where we can ask really specific questions um, and then we prompt the counselors um, and or whoever's necessary to follow up and then of course on a bigger scale we're always looking at what's the impact on our yield or on Okay, it looks like we had a couple, some technical difficulties there with Cindy. So I'm gonna switch over to Andy and see if you can add anything to that. Great, great, thank you, Adam. Um, yes, I, I totally agree with Cindy. Um, we, we certainly do the assessments electronically and, and do that formal type of survey post the events. But I think the most important thing about uh, assessment is really, talking to your students and parents and finding out what their experience was all about and and then really results roll and so you know are you reaching your enrollment goals are your campus visits growing are your uh, goals being being met and one of the ways that we assess with the customers face to face so the reason we do those tours like we do 9 10 11 1 2 and 3 is we want to sit and speak with every student and their family after the tour is over with so we don't send them on tour and then send them home so once the tour is over it ends in my building and then we meet with every student and their family one-on-one -on -one, and we get to see their face we get to see their reaction we know if they're walking in beaming and smiling that wow we've connected with them they liked what they saw and so we want to make sure that uh, that we ask them several questions that are very important. One is, how was your experience? You know, we want to make sure that if they had questions that they wanted to make sure they got answered on their visit uh, day, that we've answered them all. And if not, that we give them an opportunity, you know, to do that. And then we ask them, you know, what can you see yourself as a student on our campus? And are there any barriers to you enrolling here at High Point? So just having those face-to-face, one-on-one conversations with them uh, after the tour, after they've seen uh, what we offer, has become very, very important for us. Oh, great, thanks. I, I did want to mention, um, in terms of just the assessment piece, and I, I found this to be very uh, helpful, is this idea of A-B testing, right? And and not doing major overhauls year to year necessarily, but putting in small changes, uh, whether it's changing the orientation of an event, changing something you're doing on the campus visit side, but, but going in there, making a change, and then assessing that change in year one, seeing it have, it 
having a positive impact, making a decision on whether it stays, whether it goes, whether it needs to be modified, and then maybe moving on to the next phase of the grand plan that is, uh, you know, uh, you know, your vision in your office. Uh, but I think that's really important to be able to sit back annually, you know, if not semi-annually, and really do some of that A-B testing and see what was, um, uh, what worked out for you and what didn't. Um, okay, so we've talked a little bit about it. Um, we've talked a lot Bad, about, I'm you sorry. know. <laughs> no problem, Cindy, it, it happens. Uh, Andy jumped right in with you and, and was Thank you guys, to, I apologize. <laughs> talk about his, his assessment practices. So I think we're covered there, uh, but I do wanna circle back to this idea that hospitality has a further reach than the in-person uh, experience, uh, the campus tour, the events, things like that. And it reaches into how we use the phone, um, our email communications and social media. So Jeremy, I think you're the perfect person to kind of lead us off there. Uh, can you talk a little bit about and expand on some of your uh, earlier thoughts about how to leverage those areas to kind of supplement what you're doing in person with students? How much time do we have, Adam? <laughs> uh, I'll leave that up to you, but let's, uh, let's, <laughs> no, but let's keep it, them interested. Right. No, seriously, though, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I'm obviously very passionate about, but it's something that in this day and age, and I, I love everything that Cindy and Andy have been saying, um, because it's why their campuses are, are so successful right now is, you know, and I'll, I'll steal, you know, Andy's line of being transformational and not transactional. And I, I love it. I think it's a great thing. I probably should frame it, put it up on a quote wall. Um, but I think the first thing I would tell you when it comes to calm stuff, and this is something, again, here's kind of the big overall point before I jump in with some examples. So many schools, when it comes to calm stuff, I find anyways, are so tentative to actually make change. And it's, well, let's do this, but well, I don't know if we want to do this, because what if it doesn't work out, and what if it, you know, I'd love to tell you, obviously, both Andy and Cindy can probably add everything when they made changes on their campus. It'd be great to know if it was all going to work ahead of time, but you take risks, but you take those risks based on conversations, as we've talked about today with students, with parents, with other people who are a part of that process. And I think anytime you do that, if your execution is good, you know, I think you're going to get the results you want, even if you do have to make tweaks. Um, tying it back into calm flow. One of the first things I think a lot of schools don't do that I think they need to on the admission side is when you have a student, if we're going to say enter your funnel, how are you going to communicate with that student? You need to actually ask them what their preferred method of communication is. If you're not doing that every single time, you're missing an opportunity and here's why. For example, I just did a workshop a couple weeks ago with a team that one of the things they wanted to work on was phone calls because most admissions counselors can't stand phone calls. Oh, I can't ever get anybody on the phone and then they don't say anything. Well, there's a reason behind all of that. And there are strategies obviously that, that you can develop that will improve that. But believe it or not, a lot of students tell us, Adam, in the research we do, they actually like phone calls. The problem is in many cases they're scared and they don't know what to ask and they don't want to embarrass themselves talking to another student, talking to an admissions counselor, whoever it is, on the phone. So what have you done up to that point if they visited your campus or you've sent them emails and you sent them letters to get them comfortable enough to open up to you and feel, I can ask these kinds of questions. They're making it about me and I've developed trust. 
So after asking, for example, what their communication preference is, what kinds of communications should you be doing? And I think you should be doing a little bit of everything. And that's not me saying that, that's our research, research I've read from other organizations as well, that say the same thing as ours, which is they want some social media, they want some phone calls, many of them like text messages, many of them, believe it or not, still like a letter in the mail that comes. That makes a difference. And I've had people in higher ed say, no, we're not, we're not sending letters anymore, it's too expensive, which I understand everybody's on a budget. All I know is that's what your customer is telling you. To me, that's important. So for example, after you figure out how often you should be communicating with them, how are you gonna communicate where it looks different? Andy and Cindy have given great examples of the campus tour and things they do there. I think Comflow outside of the campus tour is such a huge part of the overall student recruitment process that you need to find ways as an institution and as an admissions team to differentiate yourself, not only from your direct competitors, but from all the other hundreds of you know, pieces of mail they're getting from all these other schools. And what students tell us specifically is, for example, with a letter, letters need to be a lot shorter. They need to have one or two pieces of key topics in it, not everything you can cram about your student housing, everything you can cram about your academic and major. And I see smiles because I know you guys know this is something that a lot of schools, and it, I get it, but then that goes back to that whole, you know, are we being transactional? Are we being salesy too much? And again, a lot of admissions counselors, for example, they, they do it. I mean, there's good intentions behind it, but it's not what today's generation of students tells me, tells us, tells other people I talk with that are your peers that they want. Um, too much talking at, if that makes sense, and not enough talking to. So for example, with our Comflow, and this is something a lot of schools tell us, you know, I actually submitted, you know, teaser, a proposal for the NACAC National Conference this year to talk about this, because I had our clients come and say, Jeremy, I was one of those schools that was skeptical. You guys do Comflow totally different. I don't think it's gonna work, and it works, because it's how students tell us they wanna be communicated with. And it's more about being conversational than it is about being, you know, wordy in higher ed, if that makes sense. And a lot of people say, well, that means less professional. And conversational doesn't mean less professional. If you look at how we're all interacting with each other right now on this session, this, this is what we do. Walk around your campus, listen to 19 and 20 and 21 year old students talk to each other. People start sentences occasionally with the word and. People, when they send emails, do a dot, 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 dot. That's okay. That's how we all communicate with each other. We do it in our comm flow that we create for our clients for that exact reason, because that's different, and that's the kind of stuff that stands out, just like the bit cookies, just like all the other things that Cindy and Andy mentioned. And, you know, tying all in with this and not beating a dead horse, but obviously you've got your relationship with your marketing people on campus and how does that play into your comms if we're talking about comms? And that's probably a whole different episode there, Adam. But what I would tell you is, bottom line, if you're talking to students the way they wanna be talked to, you're using all the different types of communication and you're being much more conversational and making it about them and not just throwing a bunch of facts, which, you know what, maybe good information, but there's a better way to get that information across 
if the student even cares about that information, which it's your job as an admissions counselor, for example, to figure that out. And then just quickly, Adam, because you mentioned phone calls and social media, as far as phone call goes, I think it's important to evaluate your phone calls all the time. If you're not doing that, not only individually, as an admissions counselor or with your telecounselors, if you're utilizing telecounselors, you're missing an opportunity. And the big takeaway, again, I would say is make sure it's not you dominating, you being the person from the institution, dominating the call with facts, 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 and just being informational and transactional. It's, are you giving them a chance to talk? Are you learning about what they want to know about? And are you asking the types of questions that are engaging them with you so that future calls, when you actually pick up the phone, they'll answer next time because they know you're not just going to talk the entire time and spew a bunch of facts at them. And then one sentence on social media, really easy. Um, content you create, real and raw, not forced and faked. That's what I tell every school I go to. All the smiling stuff that you see, hey, it's great, but it looks at all staged. And kids can see it, and they understand that, and parents even understand that. I think people spend way too much time figuring out how to get good content. It's all right there. There's stories every single day on your campus happening. You don't need a video crew and drones flying overhead and fancy music in the background that you spend thousands of dollars on to make the impact. The impact is made when it's real and raw because that's what students want to see, you know, and it helps them differentiate your school and your competition. Wow, there's a ton of stuff there, Jeremy. Thank you for that. Um, a couple of things I want to point out, you know, we talked about the email. So I did, a, I did an episode a couple of months ago and I had a student on. And so, you know, everybody wants to ask every student they meet how they want to be communicated with. And his response was, just don't email me. And a little piece of me died that day. Um, you know, so I, I think that's, I think in what you said about asking your students perspective and otherwise how they want to be communicated with, I think that's a huge uh, takeaway as well. Uh, we did get a quick question from Twitter and I think it's an important one. So I just want to ask Cindy and Andy, uh, it, people want to know the size of your admission staff and the size of your student, uh, whether it's the ambassador program or uh, your campus tour guys, how many people are we dealing with? Cindy, can you start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, our admission staff, we have um, one dedicated director of communications. So as we talk about comms, um, she really oversees the whole thing. That's one person. Um, our marketing staff isn't under enrollment management. So Andre does the majority of that here, but we have a great relationship. And as far as admissions counselor goes, um, I have about eight admissions counselors. We also have regional representatives, um, one out on the other side of our state and then one out on the West Coast. Um, and we also do a lot of um, travel down in the South. So we represent that whole territory. And then we also have um, our course, our vice president and our associate director of our campus experience team. So we've got a pretty large team. Um, we have a number of wonderful support staff as well. So we're probably somewhere around the 15 to 20 person range on our mission side. And then our student tour guide um, program and ambassador program is quite large. Um, we, we employ a large number of students because you always want to get them um, freshmen and sophomores so you can retain them um, and have lots of success with them. So we have um, many, many dozens of students employed both in our office as ambassadors and tour guides. Great. Thank you. And Andy? Welcome. Great. Thank you, Adam. Um, we have 40 staff members in our admissions office. We have 23 admissions counselors. We have five on the campus visit um, staff. We have three in marketing communication, one uh, additional person specifically for our CRM, 
uh, and then the rest are in documents and uh, technology. Great. And our campus uh, ambassador team is 115 of, of those because we do have tours every hour on the hour, you know, all day long. So. Wow. Bless and the person who's managing that group. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's a big job. Well, thank you that for that. I think that, that those points of clarification are are valuable uh, for our audience. Uh, we're not going to get to everything I wanted to get to today, but I, I just want to throw an idea out there, and, and we don't not, not necessarily for comment, but we as we've talked today and, and hearing what Andy's doing, what Sydney's doing, and incredible things what's happening on your campuses, I can't help think that there's a little bit of an arms race going on in terms of hospitality uh, on college campuses, and it's it's. You know, if my competitor is doing X, I have to do X, and then I have to get, I have to go bigger uh, and do something even more profound and more memorable. Um, so I'm wondering where this is going to go. I mean, you know, and now we have drones and hoverboards, and you know, what, what's next when it comes to the student experience? And and I think it's it's healthy in a way because we're pushing each other, and, and competition, um, customer service is going to drive the market and, and drive interest in your institution, uh, and it's going to keep colleges and universities honest and it's going to keep them putting resources where students potential prospective students and parents want them to put it uh, but I just think it's a really interesting concept of that this might be we might be moving toward this never uh, ending game of, uh, of hospitality and, and one-upsmanship but we'll see how that pans out I do want to uh, end on it with a final question and, and, and I think from this is more from a personal aspect uh, and, I, and I do want to start from Cindy, but how has an increased emphasis on hospitality benefited your career and your institution? Absolutely. I'll start with my institution, and I will say that um, I know this is going to come up also with Andy, but it obviously impacts our yield. Um, we do assess our yield events and the effectiveness of them, and we do see a direct correlation between the things we do, um, and we believe that it is very hospitality-driven. So it impacts yield, it impacts recruitment. Um, it no doubt impacts retention. We hear a lot that, um, and I was talking with someone in prepping for this, that she's a, an associate director here, but also graduated from here. And she said she was blown away when she visited the campus as a prospective student, but that when she got here as a student, she was even more blown away that it was actually what we did all the time. It was really the kind of customer service um, she got from her advisor and her faculty and her coach. Um, so that's a wonderful retention tool as well. Um, and I think for us, it's just being about genuine and being who you are. Um, and that really is, it's a full campus thing. And for me personally, um, interesting question, and I thought about that one. I don't know that it, I wanna say there's a direct correlation of impact on me, but I will say um, I'm a really big people person at heart. Um, I love people. Um, I love treating people wonderful. So for me, it's really helped shape my career. And here at WC, I just feel like it's a really good fit for me because it's what they do and it's what I do. So um, we have the same values as we talked about earlier. So I think that it's important for um, any enrollment management professional to really think about what's a good fit for them as an institution. And um, I definitely fit here. And it sounds like I'd fit in the South too, Andy, so. <laughs> Absolutely. Very well said. Andy, anything to add? Sure, sure. You know, one of the things that I believe in is you have to understand what your mission and your brand is. And your brand is your promise that you make at every touch point. You've got to know what every touch point is with your uh, customers. We've talked about all those touch points today. You've got to make sure that, that that brand promise, whatever you're promising is consistent every time you touch that that uh, customer and and that that student. So that's really important. But you know, the, there there are many benefits um, that 
have accrued here in higher education. And, and really the proof is in the results. Um, if you're doing things right, then you're going to reach your goals. I mean, High Point's been fortunate. We, we've been the fastest growing private university in America the last decade. And most of it was due to really satisfied students and parents telling their friends about High Point University and the extraordinary education in an, in an inspiring environment with caring people that is part of our brand. Um, what we've done and accomplished here that's allowed us to plant seeds of greatness in more and more hearts of, of young people is very uh, amazing and very gratifying and satisfying for me. It's, it's definitely solidified my position here and the future of High Point University uh, is very bright. Thank you for sharing that. And congratulations again on, on all, all of your success. Both you and Cindy on your campuses seem to be doing an incredible job and in, in, in an era that of, of just unbelievable competition and, and stress. Uh, it seems like you guys get it and, and are moving in the right direction. So I want to I want to finish, Jeremy, with you, uh, and just very quickly, can you give us maybe one to two key areas of opportunity that you see that that are still out there that maybe admission offices are not taking advantage of right now? Uh, I don't know if it's not so much that stuff's not being taken advantage of right now, Adam, as much as it is the consistency's not there. Um, from my point, when I'm on campuses. One of the biggest things I'll have leaders such as Cindy and, and Andy ask me about, you know, their admissions teams, for example, is how do I get them to be consistent? You know, we get into fall travel season and you're traveling and you're trying to do, you know, different things. Like, for example, you're at a college fair. How do you stand out at a college fair if you're not that big state school or that big school where everybody lines up to the table? There's all kinds of things. If we have more time, you know, you can talk about. Um, in the doldrums of winter, how does it not become Groundhog Day over and over again? And, and I think that's where, again, getting everybody on the same page and communicating in the office there is so important. But Adam, I would just tell any school or admission staff that wants to be, you know, better in terms of their hospitality or their customer service to really remember at the end of the day, you know, what I said earlier. It's not about why you guys think that student's going to be a great fit at my school. It's about trying to figure out does what your school have is that what they're looking for and then how can you show them you know what i mean you told me you want this you told me you want a b and c here's how you can get that by coming to our school and then just doing things like being consistent with your communications all right you got to talk start to finish are you being consistent are you developing in the office a sense of hey every student and every family knows if they've got questions they don't have to guess who they call or email or whatever it is. They know who, again, what I call it, the go-to person is for that particular school. And I think anytime you can do that, you're going to win because I think very few schools are doing it consistently, as I said earlier. Very well said. I think that's a perfect place to end. And the, the quickest hour in higher education professional development has just wrapped up. We actually give, you know, we, we had a couple bonus minutes there at the end, but I think it was all just great information. Hey, Adam, uh, yes. hey, Adam, can I add one more closing thought? Um, I know that some folks listening wanted to know the sizes of our staff, but I don't want anyone out there thinking that I can't do this because I don't have the staff to do it or my staff is not that big. 12 years ago, I had five admissions counselors and 15 total staff members, so I had to do a lot of it myself. But as you grow your enrollment and you do things right, and you grow net revenue, then you can expand your staff. So I just wanted to share that before we left. 
Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, I'd like to thank you guys so much. I mean, this was truly a pleasure, uh, an episode full of takeaways and, and just great insight. Uh, you guys are incredible at what you do. Uh, and in Higher Ed Live, I know I speak on behalf of Higher Ed Live, and we thank you for joining us today. It was a, it was a memorable episode, which, which will be shared um, for a while, and I think people are going to get a lot out of it. So thank you all very much. I also want to thank our sponsor, as always, M. Stoner, uh, for fueling us uh, and making Higher Ed Live, particularly Admissions Live, happen. Everybody have a great day and good luck out there.